Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Get to Know Jesus. This is Will Datesman here. Today is May 20th, 2020 on a Wednesday afternoon. Hope everyone's having a great day today. Today I'm going to be doing a little study on Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 11 and go through chapter 3. So today I'm gonna be in I'm gonna be again. I know the last podcast I did I was in the New American Standard. Again, I'm in that version today, as I'll be reading out of it. So if it's a little different from everyone else, that is why. Um, it's gonna be touching up on some things that that God's really been revealing to me and kind of putting on my heart to get out there and to just teach on. I hope this word will, will um, stir your heart up too to maybe even make you recognize a little bit about yourself that maybe you didn't know. Um, I just hope that God stirs your heart and that you would follow his word. So this is a letter the Galatians, written by Paul to the Galatians church. As he was encouraging them, and he's um, the Galatians, they tried to go back to the law. The Judaizers came into the church and tried to bring them back to the law. And Paul's compelling them, saying, No, don't go back to the law. And we're going to read a little bit more on that. But I wanted to start in verse 11 of chapter 2. When Paul, we're going to read about it in just a second, but Paul basically calls out Peter and uh, we'll start verse 11 and we'll see what he's talking about so he says but when Cephas came to Antioch Cephas is Peter I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for prior to the coming of certain men from James he used to eat with the Gentiles but when they came he began to draw He began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So there, Peter is, uh, he's preaching the gospel. He is a Jew, so he knows the law. He was under the law before Christ, but now that he is in Christ, he no longer is held under the law, nor is anyone else. But Peter is kind of split. He's uh, When he's with the Gentiles, he's doing, you know, in this case, he's, he's eating whatever food that you can, that they throw in front of his face. But when he's with the Jews, he's, He's abstaining away from certain foods, which is what the what the what the Jews would do in the law. He would try to they would they would abstain abstain from certain foods here and there, which is what the law says. And you can go back and read that yourselves in Leviticus and all that, but but I mean he must have completely forgotten what our Lord Jesus said, and he said 
It is not what goes into the, into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth. For what comes out of his mouth proceeds from his heart. So food doesn't, does not make anyone unclean. It does not, it is no sin to eat any type of food. Don't let anybody tell you that. So for the Catholics to follow the Lent during uh, the 90 day Lent, I think it is, where you can't eat meat, um, is whack. It's pointless. They're just putting a burden on everybody that, that does nothing. It's meaningless. the church was doing it 2,000 years ago and it's still going on today so Paul sees that Peter is, is he's eating all food with the Gentiles but when he's with the Jews he's he's acting like the Jews he's he's split he's not really all the way there in Christ so Paul is going to call him out in verse 14 but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel I said to Cephas in the presence of all, so he called, so Paul's saying, I called Peter out in front of everybody. He says, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? So if you don't even do it yourself, then why are you trying to compel the Gentiles to do it? A hypocrite. Verse 15, we are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. So Peter was trying to go back to the law, and Paul's explaining that. He's saying Peter tried to bring everything, tried to even himself bring people back to the law, you know, abstaining from certain foods and practicing this but when he's over here he's practicing that and Paul's saying a man is not justified by the works of the law but through faith in Christ Jesus the law you, there is no righteousness in the law for us but the law and Paul explains that a little bit more in chapter 3 he says the law is a tutor for us to point us to make us realize that we need Christ so Peter kept trying to go back. Peter kept trying to go back to the law. And Paul's like, no, there's nothing for us in the law anymore. We're justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. That he overcame the law. That he perfected the law. And that when we allowed him to enter into our hearts to be the Lord of our lives. When we said, Lord, I'm yours. And he moved into our hearts. We were no longer under the law from that day on. But we were in Christ. Who perfected the law for us because we can never do so. So many times, even today, you know, churches are trying to go back to the law. They're trying to go back to 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 putting burdens on people that they themselves can't even can't even bear. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves has, have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So 
So if we seek to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners. So is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So, so Paul's saying, when you know, when we give our life to Christ, we put away our old self. We put away the, we put away our sinful nature, and we don't, we don't go back. Paul's saying, if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So we're dead to the law. When... when when Jesus was crucified and we said, Lord, I want you, Lord, I believe you and I repent to you, we died on that cross with him. And so now it's no longer us who lives, but Jesus who lives in us. So we're dead to the law. We don't, now we live, we walk by faith and not by sight. We trust in Jesus. We don't go by the law anymore. I do not nullify the grace of God. Verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. So he's saying if we, if we go back to the law, if we can find righteousness through the law, then there was no point in Christ dying. But you see, that's not how it works. There's no righteousness in the law for us. Our righteousness is in Jesus Christ. Verse three, or I mean, chapter three, verse one. It says, "You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified?" This is the only thing I want to find out from you: Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So, did you receive the Holy Spirit by, by your works, by your actions, by what you've done in the law? Or was it by faith, by saying, Lord, I'm yours. I believe in you. I want you, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to live in me. I can't do this. I need you to do it. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. There's no, that we receive it in repentance. There's no, nothing that we can do. To receive the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Paul touches up on that a little bit more. On how we ourselves, not through the law or by any of our, our own actions, can receive grace from God. Can receive. Uh, we can't receive the Holy Spirit by our own actions, our own works. It says in chapter 2 of, of Ephesians verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, <clears throat> and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. See that? And that not of yourselves. So we did not do anything to receive Christ. 
Christ did it all for us. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we, not our own works, if anybody's going to boast about this, it's not because of our own works. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So it was Christ who saved us. Not our own actions, it was our faith in Jesus that justified us, that brought us righteousness in Jesus. So stop going back to the old ways. Stop trying to go back to the law. Stop trying to put burdens on people that that you yourself can't even bear. Stop trying to say that you, by your own actions, can do certain things. You can't do anything. We're weak people. We have no strength. We think we know it all, but we're nothing. We're nothing but a worm. We're weak. And we need Jesus. And the moment that we recognize that everything is His and that that we have nothing of ourselves to boast about, but to say, you know what, I can boast in Jesus. So Paul's saying, this is the only thing I want to find out from you, did though. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So he's saying, y'all, you know, we came, we preached the gospel to you, you received the Holy Spirit. That's where you began, but now you're going back to the law. So are you being perfected by the flesh? Or is it Christ in us through the Holy Spirit that perfects us slowly and surely as we live our life on this earth? And we will one day in heaven rise up with him and be perfected in his glory. So he says, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? with faith? So again, he's just saying that there's nothing in the law that it was by faith. We are justified by our faith, not by our actions. That's the key point that Paul's trying to make. Because again, the church is trying to go back to the law. And Paul's saying, there's nothing for you there in the law. You're dead to the law. He said it right there in in verse 20 of chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. If he did that, if we died with him, there's nothing for us in the law. We're dead to the law. It's Jesus. It's our faith in him. So now he's going to go all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way back to Genesis, talking about Abraham. In verse 6 he says, Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. See, that he believed God. He didn't sacrifice this many lambs and goats to God, and that's what made him righteous. He didn't do all these other actions, you know, none of that. That's just obedience. But to get righteousness is in faith in Jesus. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham, so those... So us who have put our faith in Jesus, we are now considered 
sons of Abraham. We are in that covenant that God made with Abraham now in Christ. Not in ourselves, not in our own actions, but through Christ. So again in verse 7, Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. Again, all the nations. Every nation in this world will have the gospel preached to them before our Lord Jesus comes. God, that's how he, he was seen, he was foreseen to justify the Gentiles by faith, not by actions. By faith in Jesus, that he would justify the Gentiles, us, that he would justify us, that he would count us righteous. And don't take it as as he thinks you're righteous. He says in Isaiah that our righteousness to him is like filthy rags. It's dirty, it's nothing. When he says he counts us as righteous, he means I see my beautiful, my perfect Sacrifice that I gave up for you. I see my perfect son, Jesus, living in you, whom is righteous. He is my branch of righteousness, as it is said in Jeremiah. He is the branch of righteousness. So don't ever think that it's you who's righteous, but it's Christ in us who, who makes us righteous. And that's who God sees as Jesus. So all the nations will be blessed in you. So that was right there all the way back then. All the way then in Genesis, God was seeking to... It's been a rescue mission from the very beginning. All the nations will be blessed in you. In Christ. So in verse 9, So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Again, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham. We are now considered in that covenant with Abraham. We are now considered sons of Abraham. When God said that I will I will uh what does he say? He says I will uh I will make your seed as as numerous as the stars. We are his seed now through Jesus, through our faith. So just as Abraham believed in God and counted and was counted as righteous We are counted as righteous because of our belief in Jesus. So verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So there it is. If you think that it is by your works, you're cursed. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. (laughs) Pretty simple. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So, he's saying, if you're going to go by the law, well, follow the law completely. There's no, and what was Peter doing? He wasn't following the law completely. That's why he called him out. Peter was being, you know, he was being a hypocrite, following the law with these people, but then not following the law over here. So he's like, hey, you're cursed. 
if you're going to try and bring that burden down on everybody and say, hey, okay, you know, we got to follow the law now. We can't eat these certain foods. But then over here, you're going to eat all food. No. That's not at all how it works. So, so Paul's saying, cursed is anyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So if, if, if you do all things, if you don't do all of the law, then you're cursed. So turn to James chapter 2 verse 10. He says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So Peter being a hypocrite trying to follow the law but not follow everything else, putting himself back under the law, made himself a transgressor against the entire law. And then back to Galatians verse 11 he says now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident for the righteous man shall live by faith so not by action but by faith in Christ that we are made righteous and verse 12 however the law is not of faith on the contrary he who practices them shall live by them Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus, since we could not fulfill the law, since we could not follow the law completely, He had to come and do it for us and become a curse for us. He became sin for us all. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So that's back to what he was saying in verse 8 when God foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he said to Abraham, all the nations will be blessed in you. So now Back to verse 14, he says, In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Jesus had to become a curse for us. Jesus had to become sin for us. He had to die for us and rise again on the third day for us so that we would be able to receive that promise that God promised Abraham. So we'd be able to receive the Holy Spirit through Jesus. Now, here he's going to talk about what the law's purpose was for us. In verse 15, Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. So he's saying, even though the covenant was made with man, there's no adding to it or taking away from it. It's there. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. So there's no, that's like saying, 
not seeds as in there's many ways to get into the covenant of Abraham. There's not many ways to get into heaven. There's only one seed to get into the covenant of Abraham. There's only one way to get into heaven, and that's Christ. Christ is that seed. What am I saying is this. What I am saying is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. So now he's talking about the law came. So he's talking about from Abraham's time. 430 years later, the law came. But just because the law came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God, does not completely invalidate the covenant that God made with Abraham, that God made with man. So, so that's what he means when he's talking about in verse 1. He said there's no one sets it aside or adds conditions to that covenant. So nothing changed when God gave man the law. The covenant was still the same. The law's purpose was just to show us that we can't do it. In verse 18, For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but has granted it to Abraham by means of promise. So God said, God promised that he would grant Abraham the seed of as numerous as the stars, not by the law, but by his promise. So he's not taken away from his covenant. He's not adding to his covenant that he made with man. So it was never by the law that we would get into the seed of Abraham, but that it was by belief in Jesus Christ that we would ever be able to be granted into that covenant. So verse 19, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise has been made. Now, a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. So from verse 19 to 22, he's basically just explaining that the law does not add on to the covenant. It was never there to bring us to righteousness, but was to prove to us that we are sinners. That's what the purpose of the law was, is what he was explaining. In verse 23, But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. So before Jesus, before anyone gives their life to Christ, you are still under custody of the law. So you are still required to follow all of the law. And remember, if you don't follow all of the law, but you only follow a little bit of it, then you're a sinner of it all anyways. So, but before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. 
Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith, not by actions, but by faith. Not by our actions through the law, we are not justified. The law was there to tutor us to Christ so that we would put our faith in him, so that we would be justified by our faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So we're no longer under the law. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So we're all now his child. We're all his son or daughter. For all who were for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So giving your life to Jesus, you have now clothed clothed yourself in his righteousness, which is what God sees and counts you righteous by your faith in Jesus. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, so there's no uh, discrimination to Christ. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for, nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. So it is through our faith in Jesus that we are descendants of Abraham, still in that covenant that God made with him. Not by our, the law did not change any of that. The law, we can't find righteousness in the law because if we could then there was no point in Jesus dying for us we'd be able to say that we did any we'd be able to say that we did something to get ourselves to heaven then we'd get to the point where we want to take glory for ourselves but it's our faith in Jesus that gets us to heaven Jesus is the only way to the father Jesus is the only way to heaven I hope everyone has a great rest of your day and that this message blesses you. God bless.